All right, everyone. Welcome to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast with Andrew Drozdak and Thomas Bowen. This is a podcast for slightly above average football fans, slightly below average football fans that want to learn more about the game. And if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody, welcome in to episode seven of season three of the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast. My name is Andrew Drozdak. I am here to co-host today's episode with my good friend and really just a great, great maker of barbecue, Thomas Bowen. Thomas Bowen, how are you, buddy? I am doing well. I am doing well and trying to... Figure out how to get in some barbecue time this weekend with this uh, with this little storm we got rolling up. It's just a minor storm. Minor storm. <clears throat> is it is it Hurricane Ian? Is that right? That's what I'm going with. Okay, Ian works for me. So Hurricane Ian has is going to be rolling through. Uh, so if you're in Florida and you're listening to this, please stay safe. Same with the low country of South Carolina all the way up through the Midlands and, and beyond. Please make sure you're being serious about that, taking that safe. But in the world of football, especially in the world of South Carolina football, what that means is the game against South Carolina State has been moved from Saturday at noon to tomorrow, because we're recording on Wednesday, or Thursday, if you're listening to this on a different day, uh, at 7 o'clock. I believe it's on the SEC Network. Yeah, Thomas, yeah, that's right. Thomas, obviously, turns into a quick week to get ready for SC State, but gives you an extended week to get ready for next week's game against Kentucky. How much of a advantage or an improvement do you think that is for South Carolina as they get ready for Kentucky next week? You know, I, I think that any any time you can get additional prep time for uh, for an SEC opponent is always going to be beneficial. It's not like they're getting an entire extra week here or anything like that, but I think any sort of extra time like that is going to be beneficial. I think I heard Beamer say in his presser today or yesterday, whenever it was, that of course, <clears throat> excuse me, they'll give they'll give the guys off a day off on Saturday, they can go home, see some family and do whatever, but then they'll get back at it. So, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's huge for, for any game, but particularly an SEC game like this. Well, and the other thing is not just preparation time, but healing up time. You play on a Thursday and now you, you know, I, they're not going to practice Friday. You already said Saturday's off. If they do any sort of practice on Sunday, it'll be very light. You know, I'm sure they're not exactly hitting full pads this time of year anyway, but it gives you time to get your body ready. Now, <clears throat> Thomas, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but apparently we had uh, some exuberant SC State students or fans come down by Williams Bryce over the weekend or over the past couple of nights, I should say, <clears throat> and took some pictures with the, the picture of uh, our statue of George Rogers draping a South Carolina State football flag around him and jerseys on him. So the South Carolina State Bulldogs are, are coming on Thursday night looking for a victory. Thomas, what's, what's your stance on that? <laughs> I did. I did see that earlier today and, and got a good chuckle out of it. You know, I, I, I've always enjoyed some some good natured uh, smack talk and, and ribbing like that. And as long as it's, you know, they're not defacing any property permanently. And, and honestly, you know, no disrespect to, to the Bulldogs from down the road in Orangeburg, but I feel like had this been some, some rogue Kentucky fans or some, even some Vanderbilt fans, I probably would have been a little bit more pissed, but it's all in good fun. So I'm good with it. 
Yeah, it's kind of like back when I was in high school. Um, this was when I was younger, uh, but I was, I think I may have even been playing JV. But anyway, we were going to be playing Broom High School. No disrespect to anybody who is a Broom graduate or a former Broom football player. But on that Friday morning, we, we got there and they had like spray painted in our grass, like, broom and they were going to beat us and this that and the other and mm. i mean not to be a jerk but we were literally like huh like yeah like, y- y'all y'all felt like y'all should do that like okay <laughs> all right yeah that's 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 dirty i hope y'all took it to them oh we did oh we did and, and uh you know i hope that the gamecocks do against the bulldogs no disrespect love buddy pew their head coach they've got some former gamecocks on their coaching staff that i have high regard for uh as well so you know no disrespect fans having fun but thomas let's get into our reactions to last week's game against unc charlotte thomas start us off what did you see and what were your feelings coming out of that saturday Defensively, looking at this game, um, you know, first half was was I would definitely say frustrating. Uh, when you look at the defensive performance on that side of the ball, Charlotte's first two drives ended in touchdowns. Um, third down defense once again was a problem. Charlotte converted uh, their first seven third downs, which is you know that's really a stat that I look at defensively because you want to be able to get your defense off the field. Um, I really think it was due largely in part uh, Charlotte took advantage of that quick passing game, really hurt South Carolina with some screens. I saw some bad, bad, undisciplined play early in that game on the screens. Um, guys just not not having their head on a swivel. And, and you know, as if, if you play defense, particularly if you're on the front four, you know pretty quickly when it's a screenplay coming. If you're not getting touched and you're running free and all of your buddies are beside you, Screen. It's a screen. So I saw some undisciplined play there, some breakdowns in the secondary, which is is really to be expected when you're starting two, two true freshmen back there. Um, I did like that they didn't really give up any real explosive plays, so I'll take that. Um, all of that to say that halftime, there were some good halftime adjustments. Clayton White, defensive coordinator, obviously made some really good halftime adjustments. Much better play in the second half. Um, but I really came away from that defensively looking at, I feel like this is starting to become more and more of a trend here. Got to get more penetration from the front four. On more than one third down conversion, South Carolina was dominated on the edge. Sometimes it, it looked like an alignment issue, which is really just fundamental football. Like you, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to straighten that stuff up really before you I mean you got to straighten that stuff out in fall camp but now we're into the season we're getting into the meat of the schedule they've really got to clean that up uh, and briefly offensively you know this is what we wanted to see this is what we wanted to see offensively dominate the run game run all over them and it was fun to watch but I'm not going to go on a, a rant here again like I did last week but it doesn't change much as far as my overall view of this offense. I mean Charlotte has one of the worst defenses in the country so I, I was glad to see some of those things but I, I want to see more of it against some better competition. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. So I'll start off with the offense. The offense went well. It did exactly what we wanted to do. Marshawn Lloyd showed he's an elite talent um, on multiple plays, not just the hurdle that got so much press and, and so much social <laughs> that was media awesome. time. It was amazing. Awesome. Great, great, great. Um, but really bouncing off guys, keeping that balance, 
having that extra ability to you know take a hit and gain more yards really stayed on his feet. Very impressive. South Carolina's offensive run game seemed to be simplified to the inside zone and counter. Um, which you know were two plays we had a lot of success with last season, particularly in the Auburn game, as Thomas mentioned in previous episodes, and really again against North Carolina. You hear a lot of fans and, and, and even you know media folks talking about getting more creative in the run game. I, I'm going to be honest with you, Thomas. I completely disagree with that concept. Find two plays, one inside and one out, that work, and then run it out of every single freaking formation you have and for your offensive line and your running backs it is the exact same play and they know and feel what to do i talked about this last week if you're doing too much in your playbook guys are thinking they don't need to think they need to react as an offensive player you have a major advantage in the defense two of them number one you know where the ball is supposed to go and number two you know the snap count if You are thinking it delays you. That takes away that advantage of that extra half step when the ball snaps. So I love that we simplified. Again, I will say what you said. I do not, did not come out of this game going, well, you know, guess what? Uh, Coach Satterfield's got it figured out. He found his way and we're going to be fine. Don't feel that way at all. Uh, Saw some good things. I saw some players play well in the system they were asked to play in. I didn't go out of this going, huh, great offensive game plan. I will say, again, one thing I would love to see more of is a two-back set with CBS as a blocker. The (laughs) amount of explosive blocks that guy played, particularly on one play where he took two guys out on a long run, he needs to be in the game for that. And also, Thomas, as an offensive coach, the number one thing I want you to have to deal with as a defensive coach is to put you in a bind. So right now, when when Marshawn Lloyd lines up on one side of Spencer Radler, you can sort of shift your off your defense. You can align your linebackers in a certain way based on the location on the field and tendencies to, to get a little bit of a, a schematic advantage. If you got two backs back there that you could give either one of them the ball and either one of them could turn around and be a blocker, now as a defense, I got to play that more straight up, and I don't have that slight advantage. But I don't know if we'll uh, see that happen, but I would love to see him in the backfield more. Quite honestly, you want me to get real honest with you? And Thomas, this is you're about to fall asleep on this. I'd love to get under center, put a tight end out there and two backs in the backfield in the old school I formation. And let's go play some football and put CBS at that I back in that fullback spot and let him blow some dudes up on some toss sweeps. And some no, I would, I, I would love it. I would love it. I think the, uh, the, the, the fullback is, is basically non-existent from this offense. And we've seen that, you know, really, and I'm not talking about this year or this game, but looking last year, even if you let this offensive line, just line up and mash people and just push them and just run the dang ball Satterfield, then right. yeah, they're going to have success. So I would love to see some of that. Is it, you know, some say boring, I uh, say successful. Well, and the other thing about it is, you're not prepared for a fullback as a defense right now. You're not built. There are very few defenses right now that are built to have a blocking back coming at you. You've got smaller linebackers that are designed to help in the in the pass play or pass defense as much as the run defense. It can give you an advantage. Another person I'd like to see on the field more, and I, I just do not understand why we're not, is Jaheim Bell. 
I heard, I happened to be in my car today during the early game, and I believe the host said he had 18 snaps on offense against UNC Mm -hmm. Charlotte. Now, maybe you're trying to keep him fresh. Maybe he's a little dinged up and we don't know that, and they haven't made a a big about about that, and they're saying, hey, we don't don't necessarily need him to help us beat uh, Charlotte, but we need him fresh for Kentucky. I don't know, but he has been noticeably absent a lot during the season. And I was telling my dad this, actually, as I was driving home today, Thomas, I feel like we are trying to be too creative with him, putting him Mm -hmm. in the slot, putting him in the backfield. When you do that, all your landmarks change as a player. Again, I'll go back to saying it. I'll say it over and over again like a broken record. That makes him think, what are my landmarks when I run the post if I'm coming out of the backfield or if I'm on the left slot or the right slot? Put that guy, attach him as a normal tight end. He doesn't have to be a great blocker. Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the NFL right now. Dallas Goddard for for, um, the Eagles, great tight ends. They are attached to the line of scrimmage, and they also play in other spots. But they are attached to the line of scrimmage as a traditional tight end because they're comfortable there. Use him that way. I know he doesn't have the size of a 6'5", 255 guy. He's He's a tough son of a gun. Give him a chance. Put him on the line. Play him at the traditional Y spot. Along those same lines, a guy that's not getting enough good press, in my opinion, is Jalen Brooks Thomas. Right now, Jalen is second in the on the team in receptions and receiving yards. Nobody, and I mean nobody, other than maybe Jalen's family, thought that was going to be what happened at this, <laughs> this at this point in the year. Now, a really bad sign, Thomas, and I, I'm just going to give you more fuel for your for your feelings about Satterfield. Take a guess how many players on South Carolina's team have more than one receiving touchdown? I'm going to guess it's not many. That's correct, because the answer is zero. The answer is zero. We have no players who play offense for the University of South Carolina that have caught more than one touchdown. We have several who've caught zero. We've got a couple that have done one, because here's the thing. Spencer Rattler has thrown two touchdowns this season to five interceptions. That has got to change. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that was what the ratio was. That's that's not good. So, as great as I, I love seeing the run game. I, I love running the football, and I especially loved how we did it and how dominant it was. We got to find a vertical passing game, and quickly, uh, it's just not good. I'd love to see some more RPOs. It, we did start kind of tacking the edges and letting a Jalen Brooks run, and I love that. I'm cool with that. Do it. Do the RPO. Because right now, Spencer Radler is not a threat to run the ball. He's athletic, but he's not a threat to run the ball. So you don't want to run your traditional zone read like we did with Connor Shaw, where you're reading the backside defensive end. If he crashes to try and stop that run play, you're going to pull the ball and go out around him. That's not Spencer's game. But he can watch a linebacker, see if he comes flying in to stop the run, pull the ball out of the running back's belly, and throw a slant behind that to replace that linebacker. And with guys like Jalen Brooks, Jaheim Bell, Juice Wells, a healthy Corey Rucker, they can take a five-yard pass and make it a 35-yard gain. Got to see some – and Thomas, I, I'll be honest with you, and I think I've told, told you this and said this on the show, I don't really love the RPO. I think quarterbacks pull it too often on the RPO, and it becomes a wasted play in a lot of times. But if you can do it right, it can be effective. I really want to see that. If not that, we got to see some play-action passes – I know we were trying to – I believe, Thomas, 
that Saturday night was all about getting confidence for this offense, this offensive line, Marshawn Lloyd, everybody involved. So we said, you know what? We can mash these dudes and run it down their throats. So let's do it. If we can run it and run it and run it and score and score and score, we're going to do it. This week needs to be about finding balance. We've we've gotten that great confidence in, hey, we can run the ball. We can do this. Now we've got to get to where we are actually passing it off of that run, which was the plan at the beginning of the year. All right, Thomas, I'm going to now talk about the defense. You ranted fairly and accurately about Marcus Satterfield last week. I love Clayton White. I know there are a lot of injuries on this defense, but you already touched on something I was going to touch on, and I'm going to rant about it. Third down defense. Charlotte started the game seven for seven on third down. Many of those, I didn't have a chance to go back and look. I'll look later and post it on social media. Many of them were third and eight and longer. Mm-hmm. And we gave up, and you mentioned the undisciplined play on screens. It was a lot of screens, and it looked like we were blitzing, would run right by, and they tossed it over that quarterback who was the calmest guy in the world. Looked like he didn't even want to be there, but was playing great. Um, we just toss it over our heads or right around us for a quick little easy throw, and there's nobody there because linebackers and Linemen have flown by those guys and they're going out and making plays. And it happened again and again and again. And even, Thomas, when we made adjustments at halftime and things got better and we were in more of an attack mode, we weren't reading as much and reacting. We were attacking gaps and things looked better. We still gave up some third downs on a screen. Like, holy moly, tell your guys, hey, if they throw you by, they're not trying to, they're not trying, they're, they're trying to get you to do that. It's a screen. As a defense, everybody, I'm, Thomas, I'm sure when you were playing, y'all used to do this, you had a screen period on defense. And if they started doing that, everybody on the whole darn team starts yelling, screen, 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 screen. That means stop your big butt from rushing at the quarterback and reverse field. And it was atrocious to watch. I know we have injuries. I know we have some guys, young guys, but that was not the impact there. That was bad football. And I, I I would say some bad coaching. I don't want to put that on Clayton White. Maybe it's a defensive line. Maybe it's linebackers coach, although Clayton's involved there. But I've got to see some better coaching in the front seven. That is atrocious. And we will not. It doesn't matter if the offense gets right or not. We will not win games if we're giving up seven for seven on third down uh, in mm-hmm. any game going forward. Won't happen. So we got to see that change. Um, rant over. Uh, all right, let's go and look back, Thomas, at our five things we said we wanted to see over the next two weeks from South Carolina. So I'll start us off. One of the things I said, I didn't want to see any turnovers for the next two weeks. I'm going to give us a pass there. Doty's interception was a really bad interception, but it was in garbage time. I, I, I'm going to say that that's at least a push for week one. I'll give that. Um, I said I wanted 200 yards rushing as a team and at least one guy rushing for 100 yards. We nailed that. We were close to 300 rushing as a team. Uh, Marshawn went over 100 yards, I believe had three touchdowns, looked really, really good in the run game. Offensive line getting a push on the line of scrimmage. Averaging four yards a carry, we blew that out of the water, so that was really good. 
This one's kind of a push as well. Said, you know, I wanted to see better protection for Spencer Rattler. We didn't have a whole lot of, of, of drop back passing going on. So there wasn't a whole lot of need for that protection piece. Maybe that's by design. Maybe we've said, hey, that, that might not be our game. I don't know. I do know. I don't think we have the offensive line to run the ball 40 times a game, 45 times a game and win the game. I just don't. So we got to establish a vertical passing game. Now I'm going to add one. Oh, sorry. Sustained drives on offense, not having a whole lot of three and outs. Nailed that. I did also say we wanted to score touchdowns, not field goals. That became the, the, the piece later. But here's where I'm adding one new this week, Thomas. We are going to need to score a touchdown in the first quarter tomorrow night. I need a touchdown in the first quarter, not a field goal. Don't get all the way down to the two-yard line by running it down their throats and then start passing the ball. Run it in if you have to, but we got to score a touchdown in that first quarter. Thomas, what are your thoughts on my reactions to, to what I wanted to see? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, uh, and uh, I, I didn't even notice in, in the notes here that you had added a new one on there. So when I get to mine, I'm going <clears> to <throat> throw one on the fly there. But yeah, I think you're right. Uh, the uh, I thought that might have been a little wishful thinking with at least 200 rushing yards as a team. Um, but we're good there. Yeah. And it really, the passing game didn't really have to be there. So we didn't really see a lot of that. So, but I'm good with that. We wanted to see a competent, coherent running game and we got that. So yeah, I think you're pretty good with those. If, if we look, if we look at mine going back, so I started out here with, uh, more patience from Rattler in the pocket. I thought that was better. Uh, it wasn't, it's not perfect yet, but again, there wasn't a whole lot of passing going on last week. Better vision from Rattler in and out of the pocket. That was good. He did a good job of distributing the ball around. I, I saw that. But again, that's kind of a wash too because there wasn't a whole lot of uh, passing going on. Creative, coherent game plan and setup plays. Now, this is one where I think it was kind of a little bit of a push as well. That didn't happen exactly. I didn't really see a lot of those setup plays because we didn't really need them. But what I did see was finding an identity, that inside zone, that counter that they kept going back to. And I really like that because we've talked about it before. Steve Spurrier would find something that worked, and he would keep going back to that until you stop it. And that's the way anybody should be. I'm going to keep running it until you stop it. So I like seeing that, sticking to that, finding something that worked. Um, uh, no empty sets in the first half uh, with five wide. Yeah, I don't I don't think I saw any of that because, again, we didn't really have to. Um and a running game. I just said I wanted a running game, and and we sure as hell got that. Lloyd with three touchdowns, CBS with with two, and you mentioned it earlier, man. CBS is an amazing blocker, particularly in the open field. That that one play where he he blew up a few guys on, on two different blocks really set up that play for what it was. Um, I, I love to see skill guys out there sticking their face in the fan as, as Muschamp like to say. Um, so, so my new one that I'm going to add this week, I'm going to, I'm going to take yours a step further. You said score a touchdown in the first quarter. I want to touchdown on the first drive, the first offensive drive of the game. Gamecocks got to score a touchdown when they, the, the opening drive last week against Charlotte, boom, 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 driving down the field. And then we set it for a field goal, almost pulled my eyeballs out of my skull. And I was like, <laughs> here it goes. Here it goes. I'm going to jump out this window. But we were good. Good from there. Got it under, under control. Yeah, did better there. All right, Thomas, lead us the way on what you wanted to see from defense and how they did. 
Man, the first one right there, I, I wanted a turnover, and and boy, we got them. I think we had three three picks last week. That was great to see. Getting back to some of that, uh, some of those takeaways that this defense was was predicated on last year and really feasted on. Um, defensive line penetration again. I, I don't know if that was a win. Really, I did like that. I talked last week about how sacks aren't really the the measure or the metric anymore for defensive lines and, and, and for penetration. It's really about hurries. South Carolina uh, had 12 hurries last week. That's a really good stat. I like seeing 12 hurries there. Again, competition aside, anytime you can get after the quarterback and hurry that quarterback, hurry the progression, the reads, the throw, you're going to benefit from that. So I thought that was good. Um I talked about no more injuries. I don't. I don't remember seeing any big injuries in the game. I, I do know that uh, we lost uh, Terrell Dawkins, defensive end, in practice last week. I think Wanham ha- had a foot. So I'm. That's that's practice stuff, and those things are going to happen. Um, but but I'm glad I, I didn't really see any big injuries in the game. Um, wanted to hold Charlotte to less than 200 rush yards. Boy, we did that because I, I was preferring less than 150. Held them to 79 rush yards. That is a big success. I will take that any day of the week. And and finally, limiting explosive plays to less than three. I think that was definitely a win. No explosive plays. Yeah, sometimes it does eat at you when you said they're just third down conversion after third down conversion. But even with the communication breakdowns and some of the missed assignments with, with the youth and the inexperience out there, I'd say that that was a success. I agree with you. And yeah, I mean, I harped on it, but I, I was upset. Um, now uh, turnovers, same thing you said. I thought it was good. Better tackling. I, I would say there was better tackling, uh, you know, getting tackles for a loss and a sack. I, I, I feel like that was somewhat, of a mixed bag. Like you said, there was some of that, but still not enough penetration, Thomas, you know, uh, at least from just the front four guys, um, got to stop on third down. And I have in giant bold letters in our notes, all caps highlighted in red must be better. And I, <laughs> it, it just has to be, I, it, no matter how successful we can be or want to be, if that doesn't change, we will not be super successful. Uh, maybe not this week, but Kentucky into the SEC conference play. It's going to be a struggle. Got to get that back. And again, I am not trying to say that I, I have the same feelings about a Clayton White as you and I kind of at this point both have about a Marcus Satterfield. I don't because he is not playing with a whole deck, so to speak, on defense. He's getting some guys back this week, some defensive backs in particular, but we 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 got to think about what we're doing on third down and how predictable are we being? Because Thomas, before we switch gears to Clemson, uh, NC State, do you feel like, and maybe this is just me, do you feel like UNC Charlotte saw something in our third and long package? Because when it was third and long, they ran the screen to one side or the other, and it killed us. Was there something there? That was a tell, you think, or or was it just bad, you know, discipline? I think it was a little little column A, little column B. Um, I, I don't know exactly what they saw, and I think it could go back to as we mentioned earlier, uh, bad alignment. And I think possibly with our front four, depending on the alignment, we could be telegraphing, for lack of a better term, whether we're shooting inside, going outside, and. Um, so I think it could have been a little bit of both, but man, once they found that it worked, they kept going back to it and I'll give them all the credit in the world for that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't fault Charlotte at all for that. Hopefully, whatever it is, alignment, you know, predictability of of a blitz coming from a certain area, whatever it might have been, we we've seen that on tape and can get it corrected in practice. Not just for this week, obviously, but for going forward. All right, we'll switch gears. Talk about Clemson and NC State. I'll start off talking about Clemson's offense, and then we'll throw it to Thomas, and then throw it back to me for NC State's offense. So, Thomas, Clemson's offense, DJU has sort of been the catalyst. How good will he be Will was going to kind of drive the ship of how good they are on offense. Thomas, would you say I'm you know, going too far by saying this, this may have been his best game as a starter? You are spot on. It was, it was, he played phenomenal and that game was awesome. I loved that game. It was between him and Hartman at Wake, like just two gunslingers out there. He lit it up. He played phenomenal. He played phenomenal. It was, you're right. I enjoyed watching that game. It was, it was a boat race for sure. Going back and forth. Um, You know, he threw for over 350 yards, five touchdowns on the road against a ranked opponent in conference. I don't care who that is. I don't care how big the crowd was. Although I will say Wake's Wake's fans were there. That place was full. Um, And just impressive. This is something that Clemson's offensive staff has been wanting and expecting and their fans to see from a guy who was so highly recruited and highly touted coming in. You know, I don't know if this is a coming out party for him where he now has his confidence. Now they've got a set of plays he's confident with, but he looked like a quarterback that they want to see out of him this year and going forward. Uh, Clemson, I also thought, showed a very good – balance of run versus pass against Wake Forest saw a lot of holes um, as they were playing Wake Will Shipley Thomas and again you tell me what you think about my reaction here I felt like this is the first time Will Shipley looked healthy or as explosive as advertised is am, again am I overhyping that or are you thinking that's that's spot on no, I think there's a little bit to that, but I think it's also – I think we, we've got to give a little bit of deference to – you think about all these games. This was really the first game where Clemson had a, a reliable, consistent passing game. I think some of those other games, Shipley knew that he was just going to get hammered because nobody respected the pass. This game, he had a little bit more room to work, a little bit more room to move, and they weren't just loading the box on every single play. So I think that certainly played into it a little bit. Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, now, I will say, again, switching back to DJU, the thing, Thomas, you know, and you and I have kind of joked and we even mentioned last week that we he kind of we kind of we, we do call Spencer Radler a little bit more of check down Charlie. DJU's kind of had that same moniker. He's been throwing some short balls, 10 yards and in. He unloaded some some deep balls and connected with them uh, in this game. I mean, again, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Gamecock. You're a Gamecock, but let's call good football good football. He he looked very impressive, very impressive in this game. Yeah, he did. And some of those deep balls, I, I think it's, uh, I think for Clemson fans and particularly Clemson coaching staff, particularly the staff probably knew that this would DJ you could be and, and props to them for, for sticking with him through thick and thin. Uh, Cause he showed that he does have the talent. He's got a, a, he's got a cannon for an arm. I think we always knew that, but he never had that touch. He could never put it in the right spot, but he was making some really difficult plays and putting them in the right spot in the absolute perfect spot. So I give him all the credit. He played magically. Did play great. Everything was coming out on time. They were accurate, good, confident reads. Didn't put the ball in danger, but also took shots. Uh, very impressive from him. You know, just as a person, again, I'm, I'm not 
I'm not a Clemson fan by any stretch of the imagination, the furthest thing from it. But I hate when I, you know, you have a guy who's struggling. You don't want to see that. He's he's working hard. So he played good ball. Um and, and you know, props to him. So Thomas, the issue for Clemson in this game was not DJU. It was not the offense. It wasn't even the running game defense. It was the secondary. Talk to me about this Clemson defense. <laughs> Man, if 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 ever there was a game where we saw a secondary get exposed, we saw that last week. Particularly on the back end, Wiggins, he got picked on in a big way all game. And props to Wake because once they started hitting deep balls on him, they kept going back to it and he had no answer for it. I mean, he was just getting mauled out there and it was it was I mean, again, you, you hate to, to to come down on somebody, but it, it's almost was comical at some points that Mm -hmm. just how much they just kept hammering him and just going over the top and getting posterized play after play. Um, I will say though, to his credit, Wiggins did have a bit of redemption uh, because I had to go back and and look at this. He was the one that knocked down the pass in overtime to uh, to win that game. Yeah. So, so a little bit of redemption there Um, up front. Clemson didn't get nearly the disrupt disruption they did versus Wake last year. We talked we talked last week about how they just blew up that slow mesh offense. They weren't getting nearly the penetration they did last year. Um, they did have three sacks in the game, only two hurries. Um, so, so what does this mean for the NC State game moving forward for this weekend? So I will say that originally, when, when I first started researching this game and getting our show notes together – uh, I was looking at at the hurricane rolling through there. By the time it gets to the upstage, you know it's likely going to be a depression. Um, could be a soaking wet slugfest. And, you know, I was like, well, NC State probably is not going to be throwing that much. They're not going to be able to take advantage of, of Clemson's awful pass defense next to dead last in the ACC, mind you. Mm-hmm. But not not a meteorologist. This is not a weather show. But I will say – Based on some recent forecasts, I don't think this game is going to be as wet as as I originally thought, which I think is a good thing for NC State here. Um, because if you know, if if I'm Clemson, I'm going to be running mostly cover three, loading the box here. Um, I do think that any passing from from NC State is probably going to be predicated on that quick passing game. Um, Clemson's linebackers need to be in position to break those up. NC State this year has been a little bit of a pass-happy offense. They're not world beaters at running the ball, but their offensive line is solid season. They don't give up a ton of sacks. And David – or De- not Dennis. Uh, David Leary, I think, is their quarterback. Um, definitely Den- not Dennis is it Leary. Devin. Devin Leary. Devin. There you go. There you go. Appreciate you helping me out with a name First this time. time. Mark it down. <laughs> Um, but you know, this is, this is the same quarterback, uh, that was starting for NC state last year that, that engineered that, that, uh, I believe that was an overtime win 27, 21 last year up in Raleigh. So this is a guy that, um, you know, knows this team knows how to get after the Clemson defense, but this game is going to be hyped. It's going to be pumped game day uh coming to town night game in death valley i think it's going to be rocking so it's really going to be about about nc state if they can keep it calm keep it cool and keep their game plan going um i'm really interested really interested to to see what you've got from nc state's offense because i haven't done any sort of deep dive into that so i'm kind of curious what what they're going to be bringing to the table here 
So NC State's offense, first, you know, obviously we want to talk about Tim Beck, their offensive coordinator. He's been offensive coordinator there now since 2020. Came there from Texas where he had been offensive coordinator. Actually was demoted from offensive coordinator to running to quarterback coach right before coming to NC State um, by uh, Tom Harmon, uh, the former – or Herman, sorry, former head coach there at Texas uh, that was such a hot commodity at the time that, you know, didn't do well there. I think he used him as a scapegoat. He, before that, he was at Ohio State. What's interesting about Tim Beck is he's somebody, Thomas, you and I have talked about not making your personnel adjust to your offense, adjusting your offense to your personnel. And he's somebody you can really say does that. He has junior quarterback Devin Leary in his second full year as a starter. He's the preseason ACC player of the year, uh, currently completing 80% of his passes wow. in, early in the season. Now. As a, as a passer last year, full-time starter, 65%, still really, really good. Um, he's currently eighth in the ACC in passing yards, but he's fourth in the league in touchdown passes. One of the things I like about him, he spreads the ball around. There are currently 18 players on NC State's roster with at least one catch. So he spreads the ball around. Is a guy, I wouldn't call him a game manager. I certainly also wouldn't call him a gunslinger. I think he's a guy that makes the right read. He's going to put the ball where the where the play is intended to go. If that first progression's not there, they run a multiple front. You're not. It's not going to be five wide, four wide every time. They'll be in the gun most of the time, one back. But there, it, it is somewhat multiple. So I I say all that to say I think Tim Beck has established my best player is my quarterback Devin Leary. So I'm going to throw the ball. And he's a guy, again, like a Steve Spurrier, like others who are really great at their job. He's one who believes in, once I find something to expose, until you fix it, I'm going to keep exposing it. I would expect a pass-heavy attack from NC State coming into Death Valley on Saturday, even if the rain's a factor. Nowadays, with gloves and everything else, it's not a big deal like it used to be. Now, if it's torrential downpour, you know, Kind of that NC State game. Speaking of NC State, South Carolina under Lou Holtz. I don't. If anybody remembers that game, it was like we should start getting Noah's Ark ready. It was raining so much, but um, it is something that is very interesting about him. He believes wholeheartedly in a simple game plan. Yes, he's going to run the ball, and he is going to keep you balanced and keep you and make you as a defense. You can't sit there and say we're going to stop the pass and that's how we're going to beat them. If you start, you know, having two deep safeties and you're running four deep all the time and you're trying to stop that pass game, he's going to run the ball. But he does. I, I wouldn't say you know Steve Spurrier, fun and gun. He wanted to throw the ball. You know, you have teams that want to run the ball first and then set up the play action pass. Beck, what I like about him is he's he's sort of a jack of all trades, and he's going to look at what Clemson's doing and say, "Here's our best game plan." And what I love about it, I you know complained about this with Marcus Satterfield. He's going to stick with it. He's going to keep it simple for his quarterback and for his players to make plays. I will tell you, they are a little bit more pass happy. Their leading rusher, Thomas. I don't know if you can see the show notes, but I got no idea how to say this guy's last name. <laughs> I'm laughing because as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh man, I got to go to their roster and find out, <laughs> find the phonetic, find the phonetic uh, pronunciation of this. But it looks like uh, uh, Demi Sumo Karnbe. Okay, got it. Just call Sweet. him Demi. 
Demi's a Demi is their leading rusher right now. He's rush. He's got 252 yards rushing. They have, they, they spread the ball around again, something that is, it seems to be. And I've looked back at his Texas teams. He was at Ohio state before that. He was actually offensive coordinator under Bo Pelini at Nebraska. I don't know if he was the OC when we played them in the bowl game or not, but he is someone who he's going to, take the hot hand. So you don't necessarily say, okay, this is our stud running back. He's going to get it 30 times a game. Your stud running back may stumble out of the gate and you got to get it to somebody else. So that's what he's going to do. I will say to circle all the way back around, if you are a Clemson fan, expect a heavy diet of the passing game because you've got your best player in Devin Leary as a quarterback who is smart and does not put the ball in danger, but also isn't a check down Charlie. He's kind of an in-between. He's going to make the right pick. He's going to make the right choice. And so I, and with what Clemson showed or lack thereof in their secondary against Wake, I expect a lot of passes coming out of his hand. Thomas, what is NC State's defense going to do to try and shut down DJU after his coming out party? Yeah, so that, that coming out party is um, if, if if I'm a Clemson fan here, I'm looking at this game like, all right, that this is this is going to be more of a test for DJU and that passing game. NC State, they've got the number two rush defense in the ACC. They're only giving up about 82 yards a game. Uh, also a ball hawking defense, number three pass defense in the conference, leading the conference in interceptions at seven. This is a good pass defense. They're a good defense, period. So DJU is definitely going to have a, a more stout defense that he's facing, a defense that can defend the pass better than Wake can. So I, I think this will be more of a true test for him. Um and honestly, this is also for NC State, for their defense, this is going to be their first, probably their real test of the season. Um, really, the only upper tier offense they faced has been Texas Tech. They did hold Texas Tech to 14 points. Granted, this is not the same Texas Tech of the Michael Crabtree, Graham Harrell years from back in the day, but it's still Texas Tech. They do like to sling it around. So they've got a legit defense. And, you know, over the years, I feel like, at least for the past five, eight years, say for some here and there, the the NC State Clemson game has is usually a really good game, and it's a bit of a defensive slugfest. Def- NC State has, has fielded some really good defenses over the year. Um, last year in this game that NC State won, they were successful largely in part to their ability to pressure DJU force him into some bad throws. So I think they're definitely going to try to continue that this year. Um, and try to contain or at least slow down, Shipley slow down that run game. But NC State needs to get after them on early downs, try to get them behind the chains into passing situations. And uh, this is going to be a real test for DJU. And if he comes out in this game against this defense and plays, you know, even, you know, 75%, even 50% statistically at least, as well as he did last week, then I'm going to say, okay, then, then DJU has, has got things on track. But this is the legit defense he's playing, and I'm looking forward to this matchup. I agree wholeheartedly with you there. And I'll tell you one other thing about this NC State defense, Thomas. The amount – you know, they have a low number – of sacks. They don't have a whole lot of sacks in their in their, you know, defense. They're they're actually tied for last in the conference with only seven sacks. But Clemson has given up seven sacks. So this is going to be interesting. I think that's where the key comes in. Can Clemson protect DJU or can NC State get to him? 
And that, that I think, obviously you mentioned their interceptions, uh, you know, they're, they're number one in the conference there. So even if the ball does come out on time, he's going to have to make good throws. But I do think the sacks, and you, you've touched on the fact that the sack is not what it used to be. You know, it's, you, you don't see a lot of three and five step drops in college football nowadays. The ball comes out so quick sacks are hard to come by. So as just, but that is one interesting stat that I think would be uh, something to look at. You mentioned it, Thomas, biggest game of the year for both these teams. College game day is going to be there, assuming that the weather allows them to come. And it's, it's a big game. And we'll talk about what we think the outcome is going to be when we take our look around college football, but it's definitely the big, one of the biggest games. It's a top 10 matchup and it's going to be a very interesting game in Death Valley. So let's take a look around college football, and we'll circle back to Clemson here in a second. Thomas, I love the question you asked to start off our notes, so I'm going to let you lead the way on that. Yeah, as and we touched on it a little bit last week, but is is Kansas good? Are are <laughs> they good? Like, are they? Because you know, they're four and zero now after after the thirty five twenty seven win over previously undefeated Duke, which is, is really weird to talk about undefeated Kansas, undefeated Duke in the same season or any season really. But Kansas continues to impress me every week. Quarterback Jalen Daniels is legit. 98 QBR, number one in the nation as far as QBR, which is insane to have a 98 QBR. Last week threw for 324 and four touchdowns, ran for 83 and another. You know, I, I looking at their schedule, I said, well, you know, I, I think Kansas could could absolutely be 6-0 and going into the Oklahoma game. Up next, they've got Iowa State and TCU. Then they go to Norman. And I said, well, I think the I don't think the wheels will fall off, but then they'll lose that one. But man, I mean, now Oklahoma looks suspect after losing at home to Kansas State, who, mind you, I don't know if anybody paid attention to this, but Kansas State, led by quarter, quarterback Adrian Martinez, who's at least 43 years old at this How point, How right? old is that guy? Like, does he have an <laughs> AARP card? Uh, it's, it's insane, and, and I, never, I, I never thought that – that Adrian Martinez would manufacture over 500 yards of offense against a Brent Venables defense. I, I guarantee you Brent Venables was hammering Red Bulls and probably put eight holes in his walls <laughs> of his office a- after that game. But, man, it's it's fun to watch. I'm enjoying it. I did see that uh, Sports Illustrated's recent bowl projections, way too early bowl projections, had Kansas – playing Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Sign me up for that matchup. I would love to see that game. Yes, a hundred percent. It would be interesting. Just what would it look like? You know what it, that if you want to answer your ultimate question, if it came down to that, answer your ultimate question: Is Kansas good? We'd find out then. We'd find, <laughs> we would we'd, find out. We would find out then for sure. So, Thomas, I'm going to let you lead the way on this next one because you made a good point here as well. Yeah, and and this this stat really stood out to me um, after, uh, of course, Florida losing to uh, to Tennessee last week. Another good game, man. There was some really really good football last week, and I really enjoyed it. Um, but after that Tennessee loss, Florida has now lost ten of its last twelve SEC games. Now I'm sure the devil's advocate Florida fans are going to say, "Well, this season's still early, Napier, whatever." And people say, "Give Napier time. You know, he's a hell of a good coach." He had multiple conference titles at, at Louisiana. But let me ask you this, and, and think about this. How often 
does G5 success correlate to Power 5 success? Because I saw somebody on Reddit point this out, said, you know, in his combined six years at Central Michigan and Cincinnati, Butch Jones won four conference championships. And that guy was one of the worst coaches ever at Tennessee. I mean, so I just... I just don't think that people need to say, well, Billy Napier is going to be a good coach because he had all the success at at Louisiana. That's not the measuring stick that I'm looking at. I'm not saying he's not going to succeed at Florida, but don't use that as your evidence. I agree with you there. And here's the thing I'll say about that game. I thought Billy Napier took some unnecessary chances. Like I get you're the underdog, you're on the road, you know, you want to kind of riverboat gamble it a little bit, but just some silly things like end of the first half, you have them completely up against their own end zone. It's a tight ball game. You, you call timeout to make them play third down to, cause you're thinking you're going to get off the field. Thomas, I don't, I'd love to sit here and tell you that Tennessee's offense is gimmicky and it's just all about the speed. And I do think there's some things to that, but right now, it may just be pretty doggone good. And why would you do that? Why would you give them time to get ready, get prepared? And then guess what they did? They went 98 yards for a touchdown and changed the the complexion of that game. It's just, there's, there's taking calculated risks and there's being reckless. There's, there's being a good and aggressive football coach and there's being a 12 year old playing NCAA football. Like uh, on your PlayStation in your parents' basement. Like don't don't take unnecessary risks. It's a risk reward. I don't care if you're analytical, like you're a guy who's broken down all the stats and all the probability, and you've got spreadsheets all over the place, or if you're a field coach, like a Steve Spurrier. That was, I mean, that that play in particular stood out to me. Like, what are you doing? It's a tight ball game. You've you've been in it. Why give them that chance? May, you know, let them play. Hopefully you knock, you get them done, get them to punt to you, run the clock out, go into halftime. Hey, man, that's a that we're in good shape here, guys. Instead, you're down even more than you were to start because you decided you want to call a timeout. Some could say, hey, he had faith in his defense. But again, why put your guys in that? It's an unnecessary thing. Unnecessary, it's, yeah. It's unnecessary. It's. I mean, again, I know, Thomas, you and I disagree on this, but it's just like going for two at the end of regulation. You let your, <laughs> you let your emotions get too involved. You know, momentum is a thing in football, but come on, just don't take unnecessary risks. So I say all that to say, you know, people, well, we won a lot of championships at, you know, Lafayette. Okay, cool. But like, did he do that against the competition that was not as good? And he, maybe he got a little lucky at times because he had better talent. Like right now for the next couple years, at least, He's not going to out-talent people in the SEC right now. He's not. Even if they have a number one draft, excuse me, number one recruiting class in the country next year, they, they're they not going to be the more talented team every time they step on the field at uh, in the SEC. So you can't take those ridiculous risks. So I, I'm with you. The jury is 100% still out on Billy Napier, in my opinion. He could make me eat my words, but I just – Ah, uh, that was that was a telling couple sec decisions in that game to me, Thomas. In those week five games, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, so I think we've kind of developed a little trend here, and I like I like picking out our noon game, our three thirty, and then our night game here. Noon, I'm really I'm really excited about number seven Kentucky 
going to the Grove at number 14, Ole Miss. Chris Rodriguez, we've talked about him, the running back that's been suspended for Kentucky. He's back, which is definitely going to provide a boost for that UK running game, which is currently averaging about 81 yards a game. Um, And mind you, as a sidebar, last year, and Rodriguez is a legit running back, last year rushed for almost 150 on the Gamecocks. But here's the thing. You know, everybody talks about, well, Chris Rodriguez is back. This running game is going to be good. It's going to, you know, it's going to boost it all up. But here, here's the thing. So Kentucky's running game without him was bad against Miami of Ohio, Youngstown, and Northern Illinois. Now, Cavassier Smoke, and I can't remember the other running back that they have that's been filling in for Rodriguez, those guys are good athletes. When even they can't get it going against Youngstown, NIU, then you got a problem there. You got a problem. And so I don't think that Chris Rodriguez is just going to all of a sudden catapult this Kentucky running game into the upper echelon of the conference. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, you know, it was interesting, Thomas, switching gears over to the old Miss side. Did you, I don't know if you saw Lane Kiffin's uh, press conference either today or yesterday, and he was kind of making a complaint and said he's going to stop begging for fans to stay in the stands after halftime that the students and the fans of Ole Miss are leaving to go enjoy themselves out at tailgate, regardless of the, the situation of the game, and that he's been begging for them to stay, keep that good home environment, and even called it a, um, a high school-like atmosphere after hi- halftime. And I mean, <laughs> goodness gracious, you know, there's asking for fans to stay, and then there's disrespecting them and, and kind of guilting them into it. And also, I don't know if you saw this, I'm kind of a – uh, a jersey and helmet nerd. They're wearing some kind of camo helmet. That's not camo. It's for old misses. It's like white and and blue. It's like the blue kind of chipped off. And I, I I don't know what's happening there, but it's just weird in my opinion. Uh, uh, I, I haven't seen those, but I'm 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 really not a, a big fan usually of some of those really off the wall one off. You know, I, I like throwing in some some one off some one-offs here and there, but when they get too weird like that and they look like some, a brand new pair of jeans that are 18 years old, that's just stupid. It's it's stupid. It's gimmicky. I agree with you. And anyway, so Thomas, uh, I I may have blanked out. Did you, did you make a pick here or or have you made it? No, no, I have not made a pick here because I, and I really don't know where to go with this. I think, I think if this game was in Kentucky, I would probably lean on them and there might be, uh, you know, a hundred total points scored in this game. Right. I'm going to give, I'm going to give the edge to Ole Miss here. I think I'm going to give the edge to Lane Kiffin against that defense. I agree with you there. They're the home team, regardless of if fans stay in the stands or not. You know, say what you will about Lane Kiffin. He's, he's a darn good offensive play caller. Uh, I think that this will wear them down. I think we're going to find out how good Will Levis actually is for Kentucky. He has not had to do much of anything to, to, I mean, he has, but you know what I mean? Like he's gotten this like preseason hype that he's an early first round quarterback pick. And I have just not seen that from him in his time at Kentucky. So I will be super interested to watch this noon game and see like, what's the hype all about? Or is it just hype? Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, speaking of speaking of hype, that's a great segue into our three thirty game here. Um, looking at number two Alabama at number twenty Arkansas. First of all, okay, we said last week. I said, how in the hell is A and M favored over Arkansas? What does Vegas know? Again, Vegas knows, man. They know, right. and that doink, that doink 
of a field goal. I don't know that I've ever seen a field goal doinked off the tip top of one of the uprights. I know I haven't. I know I haven't. I've seen them doinked, but never off literally the top. Yeah, and and this and so looking at this game, I was like, man. So Arkansas dropped pr- pretty good, dropped down to number twenty there. And then I saw the line on this game. Alabama is favored by seventeen points. Now, if I'm if I'm Arkansas, that line is is just downright disrespectful. At the same time, I've been saying all year that that I wasn't completely sold on this year's Bama team. And there's been there's been the last couple of years things like that have happened. But there's been that one game in the season where we say okay, I'm sold on this Alabama team, and that could be this game. Against Arkansas secondary, which is questionable. I mean, hell, it was questionable back when they played South Carolina. Bryce Young might throw for 600 yards in this game. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you're right about the Vegas situation. But here's the thing. Even if he makes that field goal and Arkansas wins, they won by one. And, you know, right. you, and I, you and I were both saying, like, I don't get this line. I don't understand this line. And you were like, Vegas? No. And good Lord, they did. And I will say yeah. what was interesting about that game, it looked like you and I were right about what Arkansas was going to do to Texas A&M up until the crazy dive for the end zone, strip fumble that turned into the wildest touchdown of the season by the defense <laughs> from A&M. And from that point on, it changed the game. So like yeah. it, it was just a KJ Jefferson was not the same, you know, motive. Like I, you know, I'm sure his confidence was shaken, but like it was not the same. So I say all that to say, you're coming home, you're playing Alabama, you have this heartbreaking, disappointing loss where you were really in control early. If you're the Arkansas Razorbacks, here's my thing. There's in my mind that can go one of two ways: is you're 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 angry and you're chopping at the bit and you ought to be fired up to play the number two team in the country anyway, but you're ready and you feel like you should have won the last game. You feel like you didn't play a great game, but you still should have won by what kicker misses a field goal and you lose the game. I just, that makes me say, and I, I think I agree with you that this line is just downright disrespectful. I'm not saying they beat Bama, but we've seen Bama go on the road. Granted it was all the way to Austin, Texas, and, and not look so great. And we've seen Bama's secondary not look so great. So and now KJ Jefferson is, is not the passer by any stretch of the imagination that Bryce Young is. So it's not going to be, he's more, he's going to do more damage with his legs than he is with his arm. So, you know, Will Anderson, could you, you got to, you got to think Alabama's got him on Jefferson all, all, all day, like as a shadow. Yeah. Like he, yeah. He's, he's not going anywhere without him, you know, right there watching him and knocking him to the ground. I think Arkansas keeps it much tighter. I'm going to say it again in Vegas. Anybody in Vegas listening is like, ha-ha, we got you again. I feel like Vegas again, I'm going to say it, is wrong here. And I think I think Bama wins, but I think it's much closer than the, than the line. Thomas, what are your thoughts? I think Bama covers in like a 40-20 to 20 type of game here. Okay. I, I think Bama's really going to pull away late and just – just. I think Arkansas will come out with some fire, try to flush last week. But I think uh, Bama's just going to – it's just a superior team. It's just going to pull away late here. And and then after that game, I will say, well, you know what? I was dead wrong when I said Arkansas might be the best team in the West. Dead wrong. Yeah, yeah. We're going to find that out for sure. And that's a great 330 game. And, and you know, here's the great thing, Thomas, before we get to our last game – you know, the great thing about South Carolina playing on Thursday night is there is no South Carolina game on Saturday. So like yep. if you're like me and I know you are, 
you have a lot of energy invested into that South Carolina game. So even as you're enjoying the other games, you're kind of like, okay, the Gamecocks come on at this time or they come on at that time. You know, that 12 game would have been, that's Kentucky Ole Miss would have been on the exact same time as South Carolina, South Carolina State. And the, the football fan says, watch the Kentucky game. But the Gamecock fan says, watch the South Carolina <laughs> State game. So now I don't have to make that choice. I can, I can just enjoy that noon game. So we're getting into the 7.30 game that we broke down a second ago. NC State, number 10 NC State, at number 5 Clemson in Death Valley. Six and a half. Uh, Clemson's favored by six and a half points. Thomas, what are your thoughts? We've, we've broken down things. We've talked about different areas of weakness and strength and giving that scouting report and whatnot. What are your thoughts here about how this game goes? This is another one where I think home field advantage is really going to be a huge X factor here. A night game in Death Valley is going to be loud. Um, I think Clemson's going to pull this one out. They, they also obviously want some redemption from last year from losing up in Raleigh. Um, I think this is going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a bit of a slugfest. I think DJU is probably going to be brought back down to earth a little bit after his marvelous performance from last week. Um, I do think I think Clemson's going to pull away late. They've just got more of the horses. And I think Clemson could cover here. But again, six and a half point line. We're talking about a touchdown game here. So I think Clemson's going to take this one. But it's going to it's going to give some folks some scare up in Pickens County. I hear you. I, I think this game is something that early situations could dictate. Does DJU come out and play as well as he played against Wake Forest? If he is doing that and building momentum and confidence in the Clemson offense, I think that they come out on top here. Now, I say all that to say you mentioned already NC State's defense is very good. Their secondary is very good. An early pick. And then NC State, it takes advantage of Wiggins. Is that number 20 for Clemson? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Wiggins, they, just the, the, the secondary in general. They expose that secondary in general. You know, you get a quick pick, take it over to the NC State defense offense. They throw a touchdown pass over that long touchdown over 20's head. All of a sudden, that momentum will, will kill you. You get that creeping feeling of not again. And it could change the complexity of the game, but I'm not going to let my Gamecock garnet and black glasses get me too much here. Uh, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm pulling for NC state. Uh, I like their coaching staff. Obviously I'm not a Clemson fan, but I think Clemson wins here. I think Clemson covers here. I think DJ continues to look good. I don't know that he's going to look like he did against Wake because like you said, this is a much better defense than the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. But I think they end up winning, and DJ looks good again. Uh, Clemson's going to have to figure out their defensive woes, particularly in the secondary. All right, Thomas, that is a wrap on this week's show. Good stuff, man. Good in-depth look, as always. Folks, if you want to follow us on social media, we are the slightly above average football fan. That is SAA football fan uh, on social media at uh, Twitter and on Instagram. You can also shoot us an email at, at saafootballfan at gmail.com. Thomas, as we are heading out the door, tell the people something they need to know as we head into this football weekend. It's going to rain. Go get your milk and your bread. <laughs> That's right. If you work at a grocery store this weekend, I feel sorry for you. Everybody have a good time. We'll see you soon. See you.